What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Thrive University podcast. I am your host and chief energy officer, Jeremy Abramson. And if this is your first time here, welcome. I'm so grateful for your support. I'm so grateful for your presence. And in case you weren't aware, Thrive is an acronym that stands for Thoughts, Habits, Relationships, Intention, Vitality, and Embodiment. And this is an acronym that I created to really create a framework to teach you the things that we never learned in school. And my intention with this podcast is to bring on world-renowned guests to break down their success, their breakthroughs, their obstacles that they've overcome to create massive amounts of success, health, and wealth in their life. So I'm so grateful that you're here. And now let's get to today's episode. But before we start with today's episode, I wanted to make an announcement that I'm so excited about. I just launched my Magic of Microdosing free course. This free course has over 10 videos where I really break down the neuroscience of microdosing and talk about how this medicine can potentially lead to massive transformation and healing in your life. So if you've been curious about implementing this medicine, this is a great resource for you to tap into. And again, it's 100% free. So make sure to visit the website magicofmicrodosing.com or just hit the link in the show notes below. Much love, y'all. What the fuck is up? We back. Thrive University, baby. Let's go. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm so excited to be with the man, the myth, the legend, Adam Roa. Adam, my man, we haven't known each other for long. No, but we cold plunged in our our little tiny, you know, Speedos the other day at at the spa. I feel like cold plunging is definitely like a rite of passage and something that brings two people closer together like enduring that level of pain and discomfort Mm -hmm. yeah and the cuddles afterwards were really helpful for bonding yo (laughs) if you want if you want if you want to see this content of cuddling check out the link in bio for adam's OnlyFans account Mm -hmm. it's 69 dollars a month just for this month so definitely make sure to tap in while this offer still stands. I read erotic poetry in the bath. <laughs> That's actually kind of a fire concept. I'm it's sure. funny because I've actually considered it. Yeah, I'm not surprised. No, literally oh. just bathtub poetry, shirtless, you know. Now, you guys might think <laughs> based on this back and forth between Adam and I in the first early minutes of this podcast, you might think, wow, these guys like go way back. We go way back like two weeks, two weeks. Yeah, two weeks since we first <laughs> hung out and we're recording this show. Um, so who is Adam Roa? Ooh, I don't even know. You know, I'm, I'm figuring it out. I'm designing it as I go. I think that for me, most people are, are familiar with my spoken word poetry. Um, primarily, I'm a poet. I'm an artist. I'm a creator. I like to play at the intersection point of personal development and art. Mm. Uh, I, I believe that art is the highest leverage way that we shift consciousness. And so if I can find ways to take 
elevated ideas and concepts and put them into artistic rapping, I think that they will have the ability to impact and shift people more greatly than if I was just lecturing or talking, um, mm. which is why my poem went viral because it was about self-love. And I, if I had been standing on stage talking about self-love, I, you know, cool. There's a lot of people doing that, but the fact that it was a poem allowed people to receive it at the emotional level. And as a result that, you know, spread virally and then is what built most of my social media following now. So it was one poem that really kickstarted a lot of that momentum for you? Yeah, at the time, I think I had maybe 4,000 Instagram followers. And uh, when the poem went viral, it got 40 million views in 48 hours. On what, is this like Facebook, Instagram? On Facebook, on Goalcast platform. Okay. Um, and the poem's called You Are Who You've Been Looking For. And I mean, it's been viewed on that one video alone, it's been viewed over 200 million times. And then it's been spun off and posted all other places and whatever. So I imagine at this stage, it's been viewed 250 to 300 million times. That is so fucking wild. And when, when did you release that? Well, funny, it was the second poem I ever wrote, like second spoken word piece I ever wrote. And I wrote it years earlier uh, and it, went viral in 2018. What took you so long to share it? You said you wrote it way before you released it in 2018. No, no, no. I, w I had been sharing it. So basically what happened was, so, so spoken word poetry for me, how it even got started was I was at an event and everyone had five minutes to speak. It was a bunch of speakers, personal development, et cetera. And then the last person to go was a spoken word poet. And I'd never heard slam poetry before. I, I don't know how, I just never had. And as soon as they went, it was one of those moments, bro, lightning bolt, I can do that. And I went home and I wrote a, a spoken word poem. Uh, it's actually the first poem I ever wrote called Our Thoughts. Uh, it's the first track on my spoken word poetry album, which people can find on Spotify. It's called Permission. And that poem I read to some friends. So imagine like I'm hanging out with my friends and I go, hey, so I just wrote this poem. You guys want to hear it? <laughs> so it was like a very weird moment because I, I wasn't known for that in any way. And my friends were like, yeah, sure, dude, whatever. <laughs> and I did it. And they're like, that's pretty good, man. Your next one should be called You Are Who You've Been Looking For. And then my friend just kind of walked out of the room. And I said, sure. And I went home and I took out a paper and I wrote You Are Who You've Been Looking For. And then I just started writing a poem. And that's the first line of that poem. It's the second poem I ever wrote. I, and years later, would go on to be viewed 300 million times. And I had been performing it. This is what people don't realize. By the time it went viral, I'd already toured an, a one-man poetry show internationally twice. And I'd been you know, sharing my poetry just because I loved it. But I didn't have a following. And so I'd done tours of Canada and Australia. I'd lost money on those tours. I just wanted to share my art. I, I was just gonna ask, like it, you didn't have a following at that time and you're going on a world tour. So like my first question is, my first question was gonna be like, like who the fuck is coming to these shows, right? Like, and how are you promoting them? Or how many yeah. people are at the, 
in the crowd in the audience for an average performance? Well, at that time, I was already a, a coach, a life coach, a personal development coach. And so I had an Instagram following, I imagine, of, of around 4,000, if I remember correctly. And so they knew me as a coach. And uh, I also had a background in filmmaking. So I put out really cool uh, videos and editing. And, and I was an actor in LA for a decade. And so my background, I've directed music videos and web series and um, all kinds of things. So I was always putting out good content, but just as a coach, personal development coach. And so mm. um, that's what my following was. And then uh, I went to Australia and I did shows. The largest show I did, I think there was probably about 85 people there. The smallest show I did was probably about 30 people. Um, and then I did Canada and a similar, similar sizes, you know, and, and when was this just to have a, like a reference with time, 2017, 2017 and 2000. Yeah. 2017. And then one day I was at an event uh, Kyle Cease, shout out to Kyle Cease if you know who that is. Mm -hmm. um, he had this huge event at, I think it was like the Kodak Theater or something. It was 1,500 people. And I'm sitting up at the, the front and I'm in the second row and I turn around and I look and I go, I could hold this audience. If I had this stage and I was doing my show, I could crush this audience. And I just closed my eyes and I had this moment of imagining being in front of this audience and doing it. Mm. And there's more to the story, but to really shorten it, the next day, Kyle randomly pulls me on stage and I do the poem. And that poem, I'd already prepared. I was prepared, right? I'd been touring. I was ready. They say luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Well, I, I had it memorized. I was already performing. It was a good performance. And it wasn't my audience. It wasn't my cameras. He had like eight cameras, all different angles and everything. They edited it, sent it to me. I put it out on the internet. It got 500,000 views. Amazing. The most I'd ever gotten. And then Goalcast ends up seeing the video at some point and takes that video, edits their own version, puts it out and gets 200 million views. So it wasn't my audience. It wasn't my camera crew. It wasn't my edit. It wasn't even my platform. Wow. Oh, dude, I just want to pause because there's so many lessons and divine downloads from everything you just shared. Like for me, just processing this, this is the first time I'm hearing any of this as well as the audience who's tuning in right now. And the first thing is the confidence, the trust in yourself to go literally across the world to Australia and just bet on yourself, dude. Like that's fucking courageous. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? Like, like feeling that you have this gift to share with the world. You don't have hundreds of thousands of followers on social media. You have 4,000 followers on Instagram. And you're like, you know what? Like, I'm going to go all in on myself, travel across the world and, and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And, and trusting your path. Like, it's just for me, like, I'm, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes right now. Cause I think you were probably like 32, 33 when you did that. Mm, yeah. And, and for me, like that seems like very, I don't, it seems like very risky, right? Like, dude, you're just going to travel to Australia and like 
You're going to speak poetry? You haven't done this shit before. Who are you? Like, what, what gave you that level of confidence and conviction to really pursue that? I don't know. It's funny you see it as confidence. I, I, it wasn't so much this idea that it was going to be a big hit. I wasn't confident in that. I just knew it was good. And I have been someone since I moved out to LA to pursue an acting career after college where I'm an artist and I have to express. Mm. I have to. There's uh, people, when I look back at what I've spent my money on, it, my money has been spent on putting out my and following my creative inspiration. That, that's from when I was broke and my ex-girlfriend and I would, would put all of our, save up money and put it in together so that we could hire camera crews and an editor to make little short five minute short films that we wrote and acted in. And from funding my own reality show about a breakup called The Art of Choosing Love, which I put out for free on YouTube, just, and spent six figures making just because, it, like, wow. I don't, the, the spoken word album I just mentioned called, uh, called, mentioned called Permission that's out on Spotify, you know, I spent, what, like 25 grand making that album, and my closest advisors and friends said to me, why would you invest, like, you're not a, you're not going to tour. You're not going to make that money back. You're not going to like, that's a terrible investment. Take 25 K and put it into your business. Mm. And I've, I wouldn't say that anything I've done with my money for the most part is necessarily a wise business decision, but I see it all as a flow of energy. And when you look at even what happened with the poem going viral, which built Mo the vast majority of my, my social media following, right? Um, I went from 4,000 Instagram followers to 20,000 in basically 48 hours. So like, and then now it's just, and it continued to grow. I think that I see growth not as a lot, like a, a linear path, but it's more like a staircase. Mm. And so you have these periods that are flat where it feels like nothing's working nothing's growing nothing's happening but mm. it, that's if you stop you don't actually keep the momentum going until you hit that next skyrocket moment mm. and that's how i've seen it for most people that that i know it, it's in hindsight you'd be like yeah i could see how it was growing but that's not how it feels usually there's these markers where like something took off something hit something you have one year that catapults you you have a some video that goes viral and then social media takes off but then there's these moments of just plateau and it's in those times that the universe is saying okay you have to invest energy into becoming a match to that next skyrocket moment you you have to develop new skills. You have to develop new network. You have to develop uh, whatever it is. And so when you say it's confidence, for me, going to Australia and Canada and touring and doing all this stuff and investing in the album and, and doing all of that was giving me the reps, giving me the confidence, having me become the person who actually turns around and looks at that crowd and has something that he can imagine being on stage doing. Like... Otherwise, I'm, I don't even have the, the thought, I want to be on this stage. Mm. And then beyond that is the person who could get called 
up randomly and go and be, I'll go, oh, I already have the poem memorized. I already know I can crush it. I already know this is the poem I use to end every one of my shows. This is a, this is a monster. Get ready. Like all of that was that plateau where it feel, felt like nothing was working and I was pouring my money in and it, there was no ROI. And then suddenly there it was. Fucking powerful, bro. And I, and, and like on my, it's, it's so like the staircase analogy that you use to explain growth mm. really resonates with me because when I look at my personal journey, it's so true. Like growth in life and this human experience is so far from linear and it's those periods of stagnation or appeared stagnation that I feel like we're really tested. It's like, how are you going to show up during those mundane periods of time where it feels like you might even be taking a step back, mm -hmm. right? And it's almost like it, it's easy when you're feeling that momentum, right? And, and it, it's much more challenging to be able to trust your path when you're not visualizing and really viscerally viscerally seeing that progress and momentum whether that's like with followers or 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 finances you know so like for you to have that level of trust within yourself i think is incredible and i think that's something that like i'm always looking to cultivate within myself as well and the other thing that really stands out is that you were prepared for that moment mm -hmm. That's another thing that really stood out to me is like, you hear athletes talk about this all the time is like the importance of preparation. Even if you're not a starter, like you're on the bench, like be ready for your name to be called at any moment. And you really embodied that energy. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and one of those, and even you can just go back further of the 10 years I spent in LA acting, doing professional theater, doing conservatory style acting training and feeling like my career is like, I'm not getting the opportunities. I'm not booking the parts. I'm not whatever. And, and just going, I'm just going to be the best actor I possibly can. I'm going to study my ass off. I'm going to do this and do this. That also goes into that moment, right? That all of that is there. And I think that so many people get hung up on looking for a result that matches what they think the result should be. Mm. Instead of looking at it as I'm pouring the energy into cultivating and developing myself into a the most excellent version of what my heart is calling me into. And once I'm at that, whatever turning point it is, I will trigger something in the universe and God source, the divine will say, Oh, there it is. You unlocked the code. Here's the next door to walk through. And I believe that the universe will always provide you the resources that you need to do. What is your dharmic alignment? As long as you are on the path when, and 
again, that may look like not giving you the financial abundance so that you have to get really resourceful and learn new skills instead of hiring them out. And only then are you able to see, oh, wow, because I had to learn how to edit video, that taught me this and this and this. And now even though I don't edit video anymore, I'm able to come in and consult on people's content. That's something I get hired to do now. Why? Because of that stuff that I don't do anymore. But if I had been born wealthy and could always hire, I never would have developed that skill set. And so we don't know how it plays out. And it's just important to remember that the universe will always provide you the training that you need to get to where you're going. Yeah. That's a powerful reminder too, because there's been times where like I've, I've, there's been times where I'm like, like I'm ready for the next level. I'm ready for the next step. And I feel like it's not possible or it's not available to me yet. Right. And, and one of the things I've learned just within myself is like, I need to stay addicted to my process. You know, if things aren't going right, it's like, I'm going to still create. I'm going to still share my voice, share my art, share my gifts and understand that as long as I continue pursuing this path, the universe will continue giving me those opportunities that are in alignment with that. And writing poetry for you, because for me, I've never considered myself an artist. And I know there's a lot of people watching and listening. They're like, they think art is strictly like drawing, painting, poetry, singing, whatever. Have you always had the perspective and, and vision of yourself as being an artist? No. Like, like no. because I think this is really valuable because you had this poem, bro. Like, you were in your 30s when this poem went viral, got hundreds of millions of views, right? Like, like I really want people to wrap their head around this because it's not something that happened when you were a teenager, right? Like, you weren't born with this ability, like, to just, maybe you were, but but you didn't start stepping into it later. So what did that process and journey look like for you in regards to like writing poetry and really having that identity as being an artist? I didn't, so I acted in plays when I was in school in elementary school and I loved it. And then when I got to high school, I was such a late bloomer. We were talking about this when we were getting coffee. Um, I, at the time, so I graduated high school in 2003. And so when I started high school in like 99, um, the, the biggest show I remember at the time or about that was That 70s Show. That yes. was like the biggest show at the time, like everyone was watching. And the OC and these things. And I remember just thinking, there, no one looks like me. I'm half Asian, I'm half Filipino, and I looked even more Asian pre-puberty. And, and like, I was five feet tall and 73 pounds my freshman year of high school. Wow. So at 13 years old, I weighed 73 pounds. And I just thought that I was screwed on, like, the genetics lottery of, of things. And so I went, I can't be an actor. There's... You know, Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, uh, Ashton Kutcher, like these, they're all a certain, they all a certain look and they're a certain way. That's just not me. So why am I wasting my time with acting? And 
I said, I'm going to have to just be really rich and successful. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to figure out how to do that. And I turned my attention on uh, that in, in high school. Like, what, what, how do I win high school? You know? And what did that look like for you? By the time I graduated high school, I had um, academic scholarships to college. I was president of clubs. I was student body, uh, elected to student body. Um, I, I was varsity in multiple sports and captains. And I also won homecoming king. Damn. And so that, by the time I had graduated high school, I went, oh, I, I won. <laughs> I won high school. It's just a game. That's... All of this is a game, bro. Life, it, it, it's all a game. The problem is people just don't understand the rules. They don't, under, they don't understand how to play it. And so people get upset at the game instead of just recognizing, wow, there's a way to play this thing in a way that actually feels good and I can win and I can have whatever it is I want. And so with high school, when I realized I can't, I believed I couldn't become an actor and, and express that. I went, it's okay. My brother was really talented musically. My sister was an actress um, in drama and all of that. And so I just went, I'm the business dude. I'm going to be the really smart business guy. And um, it wasn't until I got into college that I went back. I went back and I said, I need this this is i started working in an ad agency and i was like this is killing my soul i can't i what is the last thing i remember really enjoying and loving and it was acting and and acting also on a side note was my personal development it was it was the space for me to safely explore my emotions Mm. i was so emotionally shut down having a very stereotypical Asian father role figure role model. Um, no, I love yous, no hugs, no any of that. And I was so emotionally shut down that acting and movies and stuff were the only space that I felt like was safe to feel. And so I started taking acting classes again in college and I went, I have to do this. Where'd you go to school? Arizona state, Arizona oh, nice. state university. Yeah. Go Sun Devils. That's a, that's a fun I play. majored in, in beer pong and flip cup, basically. Hey. By the way, Santi, <laughs> can you do me a huge favor? Can you tell that person to take their phone off fucking speaker? It's annoying the shit out of me. I'm like, there's someone outside here. I don't know if you can hear it. It's been like, there's someone outside this door. I don't know if I'm crazy. Yeah, the thing is outside No, it, it is. You'll see someone probably obnoxiously talking on speaker. It's okay. Someone. That. That. I know it's not going to like show up on the audio. It's just like I'm very like tuned in and tapped in. So I was just, anyways. So, so continue or don't because I want to kind of like process some of what you just shared. Yeah, yeah. Or if you want to finish your point. Well, just to wrap up the idea of becoming an artist, I, I didn't think of myself, even then when I moved out to LA, it wasn't, I'm an artist. It was, I want to be an actor, it was very specific. And then it became, oh, I'm going to be a director or a writer. The, the idea of being an artist, all similar to what you shared, I didn't have that mindset. It wasn't until I started asking the question, what is actually art? Mm. That I realized I was an artist. And when I took on the label of artist instead of actor, because writers write and actors act, but artists create art. 
And that yeah. is such a wide breadth of what you can do that it unlocks so much potential in your mind when you start to see yourself as an artist. I love that. And I, and I honestly, even just thinking about business and entrepreneurship, right? And like creating offerings to share with the world. It's like, that's an art mm -hmm. because it's like, okay, who am I communicating to? What is the message that I want to portray? Mm -hmm. What's my mission? All of this requires a lot of intention and a lot of thought. And that is art, right? Like sports are an art. What we're doing right now, like speaking our truth is an art. And I love like the full breadth of this because I think it can really unlock something powerful within everyone listening. Like, oh my gosh, I actually have this burning desire within, maybe from my childhood that I haven't tapped into for years or even decades. So how can I honor that inner child? How can I honor my inner artist and start sharing that art in an authentic way? Mm -hmm. So like what, what, I guess, advice would you maybe give to someone who might be working a nine to five job right now? They're stuck in the rat race. They're completely disconnected from their artistic, intuitive side. Yeah. Like how can they start stepping into that? Well, I think the starting point is in recognizing what art is. My definition of art is creative energy expressed in tangible form. That's it. Creative energy expressed in tangible form. And so you can be an artist in how you prepare food for your family every day. You can be an artist in how you organize your closet. You can be an artist in how you dress yourself mm. each and every day. Like the, the idea of what art is, when you can take on first that definition, you go, okay, I know I have creative energy. Everyone does. It's your life force. If you're alive, you are living and breathing creative energy in every single moment. And so this life force that is moving through you, if you choose to express it in some tangible way, then you are now creating art. And what I know to be true is that every single person on the planet who takes the time to have some form of creative expression as a part of their life is happier. Mm. And, I'm, and there's a ton of depressed artists, right? We know that, but they're happier because of their art. They're not more depressed because of their art. They would be, who knows where they'd be without their art. Mm. And so I think that so true, it's, bro. It's one of these things, it's the reason why I am, I have the Create community, right? Which is a community that the simplest function of it is just to get people every month on a monthly basis creating something, creating something artistically, some form of expression. It doesn't matter if it's painting, singing, dancing, poetry, if, it, if it's the way they do their taxes and make a spreadsheet, I don't care what it is, but if they're consciously saying, I'm gonna do something creative and once a month, that mindset 
will unlock a spark in them. That spark in them will fuel a different perspective on life. It'll bring more joy. It'll bring the opportunity. Like they'll be in a boring ass job that they hate, but they'll be secretly daydreaming of that painting they've been working on, you know, at night when they get home. And that will actually help them get through their days. That will help, that will give them something to look forward to. And there are so many people on this planet that are lacking something that they look forward forward to. They're lacking something that helps them feel like they're, they have a voice or that what they do matters or any of that. And it's really that simple, man. Like start expressing creatively. You will be happier. Yeah. I think our, our, our level of happiness is directly correlated to our level of creation. And so many people are stuck in these loopholes of constantly consuming, whether that's just material things or mindlessly scrolling on social media. One of the things that I have all of my students do in the microdosing mastermind that I found to be very effective is one, one time, one day a week, sorry, one day every, every day each week, just take a little video, right? Take a little video. Whether you post it or not, I just want you to get comfortable with speaking, with looking at yourself, with getting more confident sharing your truth, right? Like build that muscle, right? Because so many of us have limiting beliefs around the way we look or the way we sound or that our voice doesn't matter. So once you just consistently build that habit of creating for the sake of creation, it doesn't matter if two people see it or... Two million people see it. Mm -hmm. Having that mindset of like, I'm doing this because my voice matters, my creative expression matters. And then also like another thing that I found to be really effective is like sending one voice note to somebody that you love every single day mm -hmm. and just communicating and articulating through your throat chakra and expressing that to someone else and just getting in the habit of like, really really speaking and um and and creating um like for you now when it comes to creation like like what excites you the most like what's something that you feel like you want to continue stepping into or maybe something that you haven't yet stepped into that excites you um i'm i'm really excited right now about the relaunch of the create community that that is something that as again, it's an expression of my creativity. I get to think about, okay, how do I support a vision of, of where thousands of people can be creating together and um, around a central theme? And, and so like the design of that community is, a, is really inspiring to me and brings me a lot of joy and is fun. And my team is working on it as we speak. And uh, for me personally, I'm also excited about my book. Yeah, because hey. people, as crazy as it is, I have the, the most viral poem basically in history and I don't have a book of poetry. I've never released a book of poetry. How many poems would you say you have written just like in different places, like in notebooks? How many poems would you say you've written that you feel really good about? That's a, that's a really great question. I'm not sure... Um, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know. I can tell you that in terms of performance pieces. So I have, I do this event called poetry and possibility and 
the way that it works is I have a certain amount of performance pieces because those are different. I'll have a book that'll have pieces that are never meant to be performed. They might be eight lines or they might be, um, you know, just two lines. Like, but performance pieces are generally anywhere from two to five minutes long. And for Poetry Impossibility events, I get on stage. So when I did the one in Miami, I got on stage at the Faena and I had 15 of those poems memorized. Wow. So like just there, over an hour of actual poetry memorized. And then I get on stage and I average about six poems. So I don't know which ones I'm going to do. I don't know which order I'm going to do them. It's all created in the moment by talking to the audience and asking questions and having them ask. And, and then I have them, I take them through a writing exercise. They write, they share poems. And it's just like every event is completely different. Um, and so in terms of performance pieces, I know that my last show I had 15 memorized and I had more than that. So I would say I probably have 25 to 30 performance pieces that I've written. Um, and then probably, I don't know, 60 that are like not necessarily ever going to be performed anywhere, but will hopefully make their way into a book or live in the you know, graveyard of my journal. I love that. I love that. You just go in, though, and have that, that mindset of being open to allowing yourself to trust the flow and the specific environment that you find yourself in and really feeding off the energy mm -hmm. from the people that are at your events and not being so attached to like certain poems in a certain order and just like purely being a vessel. Yeah. Well, it's, it came to me as um, an artistic challenge. I think part of, part of artistry is, is constantly searching for your own edge and what makes it interesting. Mm. And so I, I remember, so I was brought out to the, actually the Middle East to do my spoken word poetry show in uh, Lebanon and in Jordan. And wow. for whatever reason, like this company paid me to come out here and do it. And I went, I don't know if I have anybody in the Middle East, we'll see. There were like 90 people who showed up in, in Jordan, but in Lebanon, there was nobody. They thought it was gonna be bigger, but there was like nobody. I'm talking like they'd sold like eight tickets, bro. And they'd had this huge auditorium that they'd booked out and they changed it last minute. And there was a scramble. They were thinking about canceling it. I, I, I was out here in the Middle East, like visiting where Jesus was baptized and, and just like doing my thing. And they moved it to a bar. And there were only going to be 15, 20 people there. And I just felt like my show deserved better than to be done at a bar with nobody around. So I said, okay, well, I still want to do a great job, but I don't want to do my show. How could I challenge myself and make this fun? I said, let me just make it all up. And so I went on stage for the first time and I, I just made it up on the spot. And I said, I know I have to do at least an hour and 15 minutes. So let's just see. And it was so exhilarating to challenge myself in that way. And so that was the first impetus. And then I thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool to actually do a whole tour of shows where each one is completely fresh and new. Mm -hmm. And so it was just this past November that I did five cities and I'm going to do more of them because the thing is I just add more poems. 
right? Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like it yeah. can never, it can be an event that I do for the next five years because the poems can always change. The, the environment, the audience can show up to a, a, uh, the same poetry and possibility event over and over. And it's always going to be different. Yeah. And I love that. I love just finding ways to make it interesting for myself. <laughs> like if it's not interesting for me, how's yeah. it going to be interesting for you? Yeah. I feel like, I feel like one of the biggest things that holds people back from creating content, yeah. sharing their art, starting a business, leaning into that discomfort is this idea of perfectionism. Mm. Like everything I need to do must be flawless. It must go this certain type of way. Mm -hmm. And I think what you're explaining right now is so powerful to have that remembrance of like, the only idea of perfect is like our own perception. Mm. Like the idea of being perfect is, is a fucking myth. And it's like really stepping into that authenticity that you're talking about, because I'm sure I, I have no idea, but like, I'm sure the people in Lebanon at that bar that one night, like were entertained. I'm sure you put on a show and maybe it wasn't perfect. Of course it wasn't perfect, but like that idea of letting go, mm. right. Of the idea of needing to be perfect and needing to have everything figured out, I think is very reassuring for people to hear you speak and share on that experience, mm -hmm. you know, cause like people see you now and they're like, yo, he's dressed swaggy as fuck. He has this <laughs> viral ass poem. Like he's got a big following on social media. He's got all of his shit figured out. So to know and to see how you kind of approach that, that artistry, I think is beautiful. Yeah. Um, something I wanted to ask you too, like kind of transitioning is, you know, how has plant medicine, shifted your artistry and your ability to really share openly mm. okay shifting gears i think that the two greatest teachers i've had in my life are ayahuasca and um my the women I've dated, <laughs> those, those are the biggest teachers that I, I feel that I've, I've had, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, right? And um, plant medicine, specifically, I mentioned ayahuasca because ayahuasca has been, was the catalyst for my spiritual awakening back in 2013. And, um, but plant medicine in general has constantly i just did a mushroom journey yesterday i think i mentioned to you yesterday because i was going okay i need to design i want to design my next group program i really want to design my next group program and i just what does the world need right now what if what if what do I, what is lighting me up what's what's being asked of me and i think mm -hmm. there's this idea that we, we talk about so much in the conscious woke community or whatever, like, let's save the planet. Like, let's, let's help the planet. Let's, I go, okay, who better ask how to do that than the planet itself? Mm. Wait, we're, <laughs> when you eat some mushrooms or drink some ayahuasca, you're, you're tapping into a consciousness of the earth, of Gaia, that is, you know, I, I want to listen to. I, t tell me, grandmother, how can I serve you? 
How can I be a vessel for this earth in, in a good way? Because I believe that you'll help educate me and tell me when I eat these mushrooms or drink this San Pedro or whatever, in a way that no human can actually tell me. I have goosebumps everywhere, bro. Literally. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I really do. And I, and I think that there's uh, also a misconception that people have where they'll go and sit ceremonies and think that what they received is the direct word of God and, and forget that it's also funneling through their own ego and, and their own perceptions and all of that. That's also a part of it. And so learning how to have discernment and how to properly integrate your experiences is huge. And with all of that said, I think that the, my life is what it is because of plant medicine, plant mm -hmm. medicine. I, I wouldn't be here without plant medicine. I completely second everything you said for me, like 2018, when I first sat with Aya, ayahuasca in Peru, that was the absolute transformational experience that I really needed to unleash my full potential mm -hmm. and remember who the fuck I am. And it's, it's so, it's so cool. Just kind of like, there's so many common threads mm -hmm. with our journeys and with our paths. And, and you know, something that you said, ayahuasca, mushrooms come from nature mm -hmm. these are not drugs these are powerful medicines that must be treated with respect reverence and intention that have the ability to transform our realities that have the ability for us to really reconnect with our most authentic self and that is something that i think humanity needs more than ever right now like i sometimes imagine what the world would look like if all 8 billion people were doing the things that they actually loved, like that actually brought them joy, mm -hmm. their dharma. What would the world look like with 8 billion people living on purpose, pursuing their passions every day? And that is what I feel like these medicines open up, yeah. is the opportunity for us to really reconnect to the things that light up our soul. And... It's crazy. It's, it's like, oh man, like, it, it, it's, it's beautiful to kind of just see the way, the way that these medicines have impacted you, though, in your journey and your experience. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the importance that you mentioned of, like, integration. Um, what else, like, in, in regards to... So this mushroom journey, let's talk about it. Yesterday, <laughs> how, many, how many grams did you do? Uh, I did, it was a chocolate that I had that was two and a half grams of penis envy. Um, and a Talk half dirty to me, Adam and a half gram of San Pedro. The chocolate had both in there. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. It was a half gram San Pedro and 2.5 grams of penis envy. And you took all and, of it mm -hmm. and you yeah. just, did you go to the beach? You said uh, you were immersed in nature, right? Yeah, I, pu I put on uh, noise. No, no, no. I, why? Well, <laughs> to your point, I started off in my space and I had a speaker going and my journal and I'm meditating and I, that's how I like to start is just meditation. And then I went outside and I laid 
uh, and the outdoor furniture. And I was like looking up at the trees that are like, there's this like bamboo forest in the back and I'm looking up at it and just doing the thing. And I'm, I'm often, I put on again, my noise canceling headphones and I'm just, I like to be immersed in, in that world. And then oftentimes I'll go for, for a walk. Um, I like, if I do any medicine, sometimes I'll just walk along the beach <laughs> for hours. Um, and I think that, I don't know, I always go in and I, I just ask to, to, to myself, I set the intention to be open to receive that which I can't yet see um, that's here for me on, on the path that I'm being asked to walk. And my role is to be radically honest because what I found to be the biggest hindrance for people in their journeys, especially with plant medicine, but just in life, is they'll have a resistance to the truth that they know within themselves. Mm. They'll be the thing of like, wow, deep down I know that I don't wanna be in my marriage. All right, fam, I am sorry to interrupt the show one more time, but you already know. I don't have sponsors for this podcast. Really, I use this platform to just provide free value for you. That is my mission at Thrive University is just to provide you the education that we never experienced in our childhood. So I created a nutrition program that literally breaks down all of the necessary principles to optimize your gut health and your brain health through nutrition. And this course used to be $297, but I wanted to make it massively affordable and accessible for everyone. So it's now $29 for lifetime access to some of the best content I've ever created regarding nutrition. So if you're ready to take your life, your health to the next level, make sure to visit the link in the show notes to take advantage of that amazing opportunity. There'll be the thing of like, wow, deep down, I know that I don't want to be in my marriage. Deep down, I know that this business I've been building for five years is not the one that I, I want to do anymore. Deep down, I, I said yes to the proposal by my fiance and I should have said no. Like there's mm -hmm. these things deep down. I know that, that I have an alcohol problem. And when taking plant medicine, those those messages come up and people can be in deep resistance to hearing those messages. And the thing is that the acceptance of that message is the first layer of an onion. And so the moment you accept, okay, I don't actually want to be in my marriage. And you let your body release the constriction that was holding that emotion in and all of that, you unlock the next part which is, okay, now that I've accepted that, what am I going to do about it? Why, am I why don't I want to be in it? Let me start asking those questions. Why don't I actually want to be in it? Because you can't, you can't actually explore why you don't want to be in your marriage until you accept the reality that you don't want to be in your marriage. And so by saying, I don't want to be in my marriage, that's a fact, that's a truth that I feel, okay, why suddenly you've unlocked the potentials and you may not even wind up needing to get a divorce. 
It may actually be just some conversations. It may be some, some counseling together. It may be some intimacy workshops. It may be that you have some deep, unresolved sexual trauma. And once you heal that, it's going to unlock so much um, sexuality in your relationship that you feel like you've been missing. And you're going to feel passion again. There's so many possibilities. But if you're in resistance to even the truth, mm. you don't step forward into those possibilities. So um, I think that with plant medicine for me, the, those journeys are always going, yes, and. It's an acting thing. It's all from improv. It's a, it's a rule in improv. If we were doing an improv uh, game, and, um, and you know, you've, you may have seen them where it's like, hey, why are you, why are you here at the, the baseball game, Brad? You go, oh, yeah, well, I came here. It's yes, and. You add to it. You don't go, well, we're not at a baseball game. We're at a basketball game. You just killed the whole thing. And so similarly with um, mm. plant medicine, I'm like, oh, wow, you're showing me something that I'm in resistance to. Let me say yes. <sighs> okay, that's true. And what's next? What's the next step now? Wow. The way that you put that was really profound and powerful and resonates with me deeply. And, and I think so many people who do have resistance towards stepping into whether it's ayahuasca or mushrooms is stemming from the fear of facing that truth like you mentioned and that never really hit until you said it the way you did because i think people fear the bad trip right we've all heard about those stories and oftentimes the bad trip is the actual trip that you need. It's the challenging trip that is showing you blind spots. It's allowing you to face and process some of your emotional wounds and traumas from the past. And that's the truth that you need to come to peace with if you actually want to heal and move forward in your life and, and, and tap in to your power and potential. You need to come to reality with your truth. And that that's like... Oh my gosh, like so many downloads are coming through to me like in real time. <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate you because like I'm sure everyone listening and watching, like if you need to pause and process some of the things that Adam Adam's saying right now, like it's okay. It's okay because <laughs> like I'm literally doing that right now in live time. And another thing like one of those truths, one of the truths that came up for me in my first ayahuasca experience was that I was addicted to external validation mm -hmm. and approval from others. And so many of the things that I was doing in my life on a day-to-day -day basis were not to fill up my own cup. They were to receive approval and validation from other people. And it was out of alignment with my truth. And that was... A little painful to sit with, but so fucking liberating. Mm -hmm. Because once I address that and acknowledge that, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, I'm living on other people's terms. What would it look like to live on my own terms? Mm -hmm. You know? And, yeah. and really stepping into that energy of being a creator and no longer a slave to external validation. Like, that was the truth for me that I needed. Yeah. And it wouldn't have happened if I didn't choose to be courageous and sit with grandmother Aya because she she is always honest with us. These mm -hmm. these indigenous medicines, bro, like it's crazy because I really think 
this doesn't get talked about. And I'm curious to know like your, your, your thoughts on this. And I was talking to my buddy who's very involved in the psychedelic space and the investment sector of it and like the research part. And something that I always say is like mushrooms, ayahuasca, these medicines are operating at a higher intelligence. Mm -hmm. And that allows us to tap into our intuition. And once you're more tapped into your intuition, you start to eat foods that actually nourish you. you. You start to surround yourself with people and relationships that actually energize you. And you become way more conscious and aware of those things that no longer serve you, those harmful habits, the toxic thought patterns. And you can't really measure in a study, at least as far as I'm concerned, like the level of intuition that you increase with these medicines. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that... You know, intuition's a really interesting one because it's so ethereal, right? How your intuition speaks to you and, and feels and, and communicates with you in your body is going to be different than what it's like in my own, right? And so uh, one of the things that I work with clients on is getting more in tune with the nuances of your own intuition because your own intuition is speaking to you in a way that you're familiar with, mm. but there's ancillary ways that your intuition could be speaking to you that you're not even necessarily aware of as you get more as like your uh your transmission receiver gets more refined right as it becomes uh, a bigger satellite dish so to speak and to me the the number one way that we improve our intuition is by getting in connection with our body because most of our thought patterns are happening through the unconscious mind. The unconscious mind is generally where the intuition is speaking to us through. It's a much rarer experience to have like of the voice of God speak to you directly to your conscious mind in that mm. way. Um, I've only had those experiences, I don't know, maybe like four five times in my life and, and not necessarily on medicine. And, but those intuitive hits of ooh, the hunch or the, the gut feeling or there's something here mm. or whatever those come through the unconscious which is your your physical body right and so when you start to clear out your clean up your eating clear out the heavy metals the parasites the candida the all of that from your body as you start to improve your flexibility as you start to um, do the sexual healing work to release the stuck and stagnant kundalini energy in your body as you do all that work you start to um, improve your communication to your body and that is going to mean that you can listen more to it which means that you're going to be able to be more in touch with your intuition Mm. what is what is how does that usually manifest because you mentioned you mentioned like stuck sexual energy mm -hmm. right i recently saw that over 50 percent of women never orgasm through vaginal penetration right and i'm sure this goes both ways right like i think this is a huge i never orgasm through vaginal penetration really either. not once me that's a little weird yeah. though really we'll, we'll have to check only fans to see if that changes got it $69 a month, folks. <laughs> Don't miss out on this limited time opportunity. Um, anyways, but, but, but in all seriousness, like for you, I'm curious, like 
what has that journey been like for you? Is that something that you've had to kind of work through? Like, did you have any of those, uh, I guess, sexual wounds? Because you mentioned coming from like an Asian family, it's very suppressed oftentimes. Mm -hmm. So what did that journey look like for you? Well, on top of the repression of Asian culture and Catholicism, because <laughs> I was raised Catholic as well, um, I was sexually abused at the age of five. And then that was a repressed memory that I didn't remember till 30. So I spent 25 years of my life with a distorted view of reality and sexuality um, before I ever even had the awareness that that was the case, let alone then the process of figuring out how to, to heal it. Um, and so I'm 38 now. So the last eight years, I've dove deep into healing of, of sexuality. I've done tons of somatic sexual healing work. I've uh, studied Tantra. I have um, done work for uh, PTSD, uh, somatic therapies, EMDR, like just a lot around uh, healing it. A lot of, of plant medicine, et cetera. Uh, Iboga was what I went to to do a lot of work around it. Wow. So I think that, I mean, I could speak to it all day long. I, I think that from the most primal sense, it's is this, right? When we go into heightened sexual states, we go into our, our primal brain and during, and that's where, where we write some of our deepest instincts and beliefs. And so when we are experiencing unhealthy sexual experiences, and think about this for a lot of guys, they can relate to like masturbating in, in secret and not wanting to get caught. There's a lot of shame in early sexual experiences and orgasm. Um, that there's to be imprinting shame, guilt, to be imprinting from religion in that way, to, to have so much sexual abuse, it's so prevalent. Like sexual abuse is so prevalent, unfortunately. To have that and be ingraining those beliefs and those emotional codes so deep into our primal instinctual mammalian brains uh, of our sexuality is impacting every area of our lives. Every single one. There, there's, it, it, you, you don't imprint that deep into your brain shame, guilt, blame, trauma, wounding, and don't think that it is not impacting the lens through which you're viewing everything, conscious or unconsciously. And so um, I think that some deep healing around sexuality is an absolute necessity if we're going to really shift the planet into one that's more symbiotic. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, bro. Yeah. I had no idea. Um, so... You said the sexual abuse happened when you were five. And then when you were 30, the memory finally came to the surface. Was that plant medicine that helped in assistance with that? Two ayahuasca ceremonies, Friday night, Saturday night. So, so yep. what did that look like, if you don't mind sharing? Like, did you kind of relive that experience? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, I went in. Believe it or not, I was leading a retreat. It was my retreat. And I didn't, I, I'm not the one who pours the medicine, but I bring in the facilitators. And so 
uh, I'm sitting in ceremony with my retreat participants. And my intention was to uh, more deeply know who I am and why I'm here. That was my intention. And then uh, I was sh essentially shown, I'll shorten the story, but I was shown what happened to me. Mm. And the next morning, I, I just went, there's just no way. I can't, I can't, what? And, and I'd been like shown it as an observer, like standing in the room watching it happen to me. And then the next ceremony, the very next night, um, Aya brought me into the body to experience it uh, as if it was happening to me in my body. Um, and as a way of basically saying you can't remain disconnected. You, you have to connect your consciousness to the somatics of the experience. You have to reconnect um, to the somatic experience in the body of what happened. Um, and so, yeah, both of those, both of those evenings, um, and then that began a process of intentionally unraveling every area of my life and seeing, I mean, it impacted my relationship. It was by a man, um, very close to my family. And, and so like it was, impacting my relationship to men. It was impacting my relationship to women. It was replace, uh, interacting, impacting my relationship to my own sexuality. It was impacting my relationship to um, uh, my willingness to be seen, right, in the world. It was uh, impacting my relationship to money. It was, it, like, it, there was some way it was impacting every area of my life. And so it was as if the, the trunk of the tree was rotten and I had to go down each branch individually and just take out all of the, the rotten pieces and, and consciously sort of just re-engineer myself. Wow. Thank you, bro, for sharing that so openly. Yeah. Um, that sounds like a hell of a journey. These last eight years. <laughs> yeah. These last sure. eight years. So, oh my goodness. There's so many things, like, like, I'm literally taking notes. I feel like I'm in class right now. Like, like I told you at the beginning, right, when we started, I said, w w you asked me about, like, my coaching when I work with one-on-one -on -one clients and right. masterminds and stuff. And I'm like, you may have heard some of these concepts before, but I just tend to, I just explain them hopefully in a different way. I, I hope that there are people hearing this where there's concepts that they maybe had heard talked about or mentioned, but it's landing in a different way for people. Um, because, and if it's not, then I hope they go somewhere that they can find that thing because these concepts are not mine, right? Like we're not talking about anything that's, that's I'm inventing here. Um, there's so people you need to get the concept the concept will change your life if mm. the way i'm saying it is not landing for you go and explore the concept spoken about through other people in some way shape or form but these general concepts that we're talking about are fundamental to if you want to change your life yeah you know i'm sure you're familiar with the book your body keeps the score. Yeah. But basically, you know, what they talk about in that book is like all of these experiences going back to childhood, you know, if we experience guilt, shame, abuse, trauma, all of those things get ingrained in our nervous system on a cellular level and we'll continue holding on to them until we actually face them and do the healing work around them. 
mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's so powerful for, for people to really understand, like, in regards to your illness, in regards to maybe some chronic pain you're experiencing, like, a lot of this stuff comes from places that you might not expect. And it's really important to do that investigative work and be curious about your own body, be your own health detective, and really do your best and get support when necessary to identify the root cause of some of these areas of inflammation, dis-ease, right? Because if you're constantly perpetuating these feelings of guilt, shame, and reliving some of these childhood experiences from your past, like it's going to show up in some capacity in your life as an adult, in your relationships, with your relationship with money, with your health, like all of these things just stay ingrained in our nervous system. And like everything you mentioned just like drives that point home, you know? Yeah. Like, is there something now? I mean, and, and curious to know, like one of the things that I've always kind of, you know, we talk a lot about like victim mindset, right? Like the mindset of being a vic- like a victim versus being a creator, right? And they can't really coexist. Someone who has experienced sexual trauma, something really drastic like that, right? 100%, you're a victim, like of that terrible circumstance. Mm-hmm. How do you transmute the mindset of being a victim like oh my gosh this happened to me to being able to move forward and come to peace with that thing and actually grow from that thing i think the difference is that you can be a victim and you don't have to take on a victim mindset Mm. It's, it's just a it's a very big difference yeah because um we all have been victims at, of something at some time in our lives. That's, that's the case. Um, some people get stuck in a victim mindset. And when you're there, every, you're a victim of everything now, you know? And yeah. I think that if people could separate those two, because so many people take on the victim mindset because they think that the victim mindset, if they don't have the victim mindset, that it invalidates their experience as a victim. Right. And I know that would be really shitty for me to experience some invalidation of the absolute pain and how awful it was to, to be molested. Like that was terrible. That was an awful experience. And I never want to invalidate the fact that that happened to me. And uh, if I allow myself to take on a victim mindset, I am now just reliving that experience Mm. in the now moment over and over and over and over again. I'm carrying on the mindset of, of like I'm I'm keeping the event alive by holding on to that mindset and and they don't need to be the same. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like detaching the event from your current reality and just like I, I the way that you break these things down I think is really useful and I think it's really applicable. And I think like this episode and this conversation is going to serve so many people. One of the things you mentioned about, I think it was when you sat with ayahuasca 
the time you were 30 years old and the two questions you asked when you set your intention the two questions you asked is like who am i and why am i here <laughs> and i feel like those questions are so vague but they're so fucking powerful bro because let's be honest like if you walk up to the average person and you ask them who are you they're likely just going to attach their vocation to their identity hey i'm a i'm a accountant hey uh i'm a basketball player hey i'm a mother right like who are you actually like on a deeper more visceral level like who are you and why the fuck are you here because mm -hmm. we all have a unique divine purpose for being here and once you really discover what that is that's when life truly begins mm -hmm. because then we can start acting in alignment with our values with our vision with our passions with our purpose and those questions like i just want to leave people with that because i think it's it's super valuable and like like i think it always evolves right like if i asked you who are you you did at the beginning of this podcast no no but i'm saying like three years ago five years ago mm -hmm. your response probably would be different mm -hmm. right same thing like maybe why you're here your purpose like that i feel like those things are always evolving right mm -hmm. like as we're tapping more in yeah i think that there's a human need for safety right biologically and in order for most humans to feel safe, they have to be able to put structure around things. They have to, like, if, if, some, if this world was constantly in motion, like this chair was literally moving atoms, if we were playing at that level where, like, it, there would be such a lack of safety. It'd be like playing Frogger with reality all the time, right? Every moment. And so there's a need to put labels on things because then if I, I put a label even a label like jeremy it's like wow okay jeremy now i feel a bit safer because there's a version of you in my head that i associate with that's why you come back from a ceremony completely different and you've you know shaved your head and pierced your ears and and call yourself sanjeev renaya 5,000 starseed man, like you start going by that name, suddenly I'm going, wait, I have to reevaluate the safety of this dynamic in this relationship, right? Like we see that when people have spiritual awakenings and go back to their families and they're like, I, we don't even know you anymore. What's happening is there's this lack of safety. And so I, the who are you question is important for people to address because without realizing it unconsciously we are constantly putting our own selves in those boxes on a from a biological reasoning standpoint like there's an idea of who i think i am that feels safe like it just allows me to move through the world i'm an artist i'm a this i'm a coach i'm a and and that provides safety for me and unless i consciously go okay maybe i'm not any of those things i'm willing to let those things die maybe jeremy's completely like we have to actually override that biological impulse to identify and put things in boxes we have to consciously override those things yeah. otherwise uh, it won't happen and so that question of who are you to me is so much bigger than trying to give it an answer now it's more of a could you actually break that definition daily 
and mm. try and refine it each day? Could you wake up each morning and go, I don't know who I am and make each day about discovering who I am? Mm. Yeah. Approaching every day like a new journey, like a new opportunity to just learn something new about yourself. Yeah. And what'll make it easier is creative expression, probably some microdosing. <laughs> yeah. It usually tends to help cultivate clarity. <laughs> but but like again, again, like it's it's funny because like, this is why I love having conversations like this. It's because we're able to like reframe, you're able to like reframe some of the beliefs I already have in a different way. And it allows me to kind of zoom out and see things like from a new perspective. And, and it's, it's really refreshing. Um, because exactly what you're saying, you, myself, I believe everyone watching this is truly like a multidimensional being. And we have many different layers and facets to ourselves. And like, we're always trying to be put in a box again. Like if you have a nice body, if you're attractive, like you're put in that box. And I actually, you know, it's funny, like on that point, like I feel like my friends who are most attractive to societal norms and expectations, whatever that means, mm. are also oftentimes the ones that are most insecure mm. because, because all of their validation and worthiness has been attached to their physical appearance for so long and now it's like they feel the need to like actually share more of their heart more of their gifts but they feel confined by this box like i'm just a pretty face i just got a big booty like i'm either gonna just like start an only fans or just like 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 whatever start a fucking whatever company right that that's aligned with my my physical appearance and it's like diving deeper you know diving deeper into that yeah it's it's tough because because Physical beauty is a depreciating asset. Mm. <laughs> You're, if you've built everything off of your physical attributes, those will fade. That is, that is not going to, to last forever. Um, gravity will win, and <laughs> there's those aspects. And I think at a certain point when that realization hits people, they can freak out. Um, and we all want and are seeking love, ultimately, and mm. so I know for me, my version of that is um, around money. It's, it's, I, I, I don't, like my version of that is I want to know that a woman is really wanting me for me. What's in my heart, what's just me, if it was just us on an island, just she didn't know anything about me. And so back when I was on dating apps and stuff, I never linked my Instagram accounts. I never, like, like I didn't want, because, you know, when, when someone's like, oh, let me find you on Instagram, and they see the blue check mark and the follows, suddenly there's just, like, a different look. They, like, they do the double take or yeah, whatever, yeah? yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so that bothers me, because the moment they do that, suddenly I go, what just changed for you? Like, what just changed for you? And I think that it's, I can only imagine what it's like to be one of those crazy, ridiculous, beautiful people. You know what I mean? That just walks around the world and just everyone is objectifying and just seeing that all the time. I don't envy that. I, I think that um, in my own way, it's a weird kind of tangent around money and, and social media following, but like 
we all want to be loved for just who we actually are. Mm. Like the, the and who are we? <laughs> Going back to that question, that's really what's what we want deep down, right? The innocence of that, the purity of that. Yeah. I think that's absolutely on point. Like I know I just want to be seen, received, loved, accepted, and that's like the warmest feeling in my heart when it's like genuine connection, genuine friendship, genuine brotherhood. Like I see you for all of you. Mm -hmm. You know, not just one thing I like about you, not just like that swaggy hat or like your nice calves or those <laughs> triceps that are popping out of your shirt, you know, like all of it, you know, like all of the, all of the deep layers that you can only see on OnlyFans. You know? I was going to say, that's great OnlyFans promo. Yes. Yo, dude. My like, mastermind was trying to get me uh, really to, to do the, the, the bubble bath poetry. Mm, they really you thought, that a try? No, I, that's like a whole move. That's a solid, you know what I mean? That's a real direction to take, to take things. It would be. It would be a bold move, though. And you're one who does make bold moves. I do. You've made a couple before. I have. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. We'll, I can't say no. I'm not going to say no. Um, you were just saying before we got sidetracked about bubble baths and nice triceps. Um, in regards to, uh, fuck, it was, it was something meaningful too. <laughs> it, it wouldn't have been a big deal if it was like something, something trash. Um, what we were talking about right before this? Yeah, yeah, I know we were talking about like like attractive women and like wanting to be on. loved just for the purity and the innocence of who we actually are. Yeah, it's like in that that round. Yeah, I was in that realm of things. Um, <laughs> like like for you now, um, for you, I mean, you're in a committed relationship now. I know based on our previous conversations, you've been in multiple open relationship situations. Eh, kind of. Like, I'm still, and I'm asking you, like, this for selfish reasons and just, like, out of curiosity, out of being a friend. Like, my parents have been married for 45 years now. So, the model that I've seen is long-term relationship, marriage, monogamy. Yeah. Which is a beautiful model to be able to witness because so many people witness broken homes. And I'm grateful that I've had, like, a stable household, a mom and dad that love each other, that are present with one another that have shown me all the love, right? Yeah. Why are you smirking like that? <laughs> I just have to say, if it sounds like you're saying I'm in an open relationship right no, now. No, 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 I was, no, I was, no, okay. no, no, no. I was no. like, my girlfriend will kill me. She no, 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 no. <laughs> not, that's not at all what I'm saying. I said you're in a committed relationship yeah. now. That's what I said. No, what I was saying is like, <laughs> I guess the question I'm asking myself, you know, I've only been in like monogamous relationships. Like, is monogamy another constraint that society has implemented to somehow control us? Like, like, is monogamy the way? Uh, it's really just about if monogamy is your way. That's that's really the question. Um, my parents have also been married for forty five years, and and uh, I appreciate being raised with that model um i have been in relationship dynamics that were monogamish let's say 
Um, and I think that I, th I think that it's important for people to understand that monogamy was not designed based on love. I, that's that's the, the first piece. Monogamy was designed as a way of um, passing down assets and property and uh, owning women in, in a lot of ways and control and legacy. It, it was business. You know, that's, that's what marriage... Let's, let's put it marriage, the design of marriage. Um, I, I should separate that from monogamy, because but like marriage was designed in that way. But generally for most people, marriage means monogamy. That's, that's the synonym. It's by getting married, I'm saying I am only fucking you for the rest of my life. And I, I think it just depends on what you want and what your partner wants. What... I do think is important is that for that people be able to communicate openly about it. And I also think it's important for people to e experiment and try. That's something I'm excited that more people are doing now yeah. is try uh, uh, to be in a relationship with someone and then like date other people and see what that feel like, see what that feels like. Most people will not be able to handle it. It is, it is not fun to think about this, a person you love going out and having sex with someone else. <laughs> you, you wind up going crazy and, and be Will Smith smacking Chris What Rock on the Oscars, you know, like you, you can lose your shit. But I also think that there are a lot of people who would benefit from being in the types of relationship where you can have play parties or threesomes or, uh, you know, occasional flings as long as they're, it's within the parameters of your relationship. I, I think that the pressure of basically taking your natural human impulse to be attracted to other people and want to have sexual relations with, with other people and saying, we just can't do that. It's off limits for the rest of your life. That I don't think is necessarily healthy because then people become resentful yeah i'm glad you mentioned that the resentful word so in my most recent relationship without going too deep into detail like i have so much love for this person right and i just expressed my interest and curiosity mm -hmm. for exploring potential other partners and stuff like that you dog now, this is something like lip dog like i've i've never <laughs> i've never like it's crazy bro because because when i when i actually think about it like you know 32 years old i've had a decent amount of sexual experiences but Slut. nothing like Slut. crazy no nothing like crazy <laughs> where it's like like a sex party or a foursome like there's a lot of shit bro like like i've never done and to be honest like I'm 32, like I mentioned, and I feel like there's like a limited time window, or maybe that's just a story I'm telling myself, where I can really explore and experience these things in their entirety. <laughs> just make a list. At Coach Jeremy 305, foursomes, you play parties, just like hit them up. <laughs> what, what should I try? What do you think I should experience before I settle down with a wife and kids? Yeah. Because I do want a wife and kids. Like, yeah. like that I do know. Yes. Like I do want to be a father. I want to have potentially 
three, four kids, maybe yeah. five, who knows? Like, like this genetic expression needs to be passed down. It would be an absolute crime <laughs> against humanity for me not to have children. No, and I'm, and I'm being serious. Yes. Like, like I'm, I'm not not saying that from a Elon place of, Musk style. Just repopulate the earth, bro. And I'm not saying that from a place of arrogance. Honestly, like the amount of inner work that I've done, the amount of work that I've just put in to myself, and and like like I need to pass this down to to my children. Like, and a hundred percent of the women you sleep with have vaginal orgasms, just from vaginal intercourse. That's that's the facts. That's actually facts. You just need to. We need more of you repopulating That's the earth. Probably, if we clip this clip right now, people are gonna be like, "Who the fuck does this guy think he is?" But honestly, and and again, it's everyone's preference whether they want to have kids or not. Yeah, I almost think, like, I almost believe it's an obligation. Yeah, for men like you and me to be fathers. Yeah. Because we've done so much work on ourselves. We're so committed to, to serving humanity in a positive way, to making a positive impact on the planet. Like, it would be a shame for us not to raise young men, young women, and bring them into this world in a conscious, mindful way. Yeah. You know? And, and I think it's something that I think about, like, all the time. You know, I'm, I'm really excited for that time to be a dad. But going back, reverting to what I was originally going to say, <laughs> yeah. is... Uh, so communicating this to my partner at the time, it's so challenging because like, again, I want to be honest. I want to be truthful with myself and with her. And I also know that her and many other women in that position receiving that, it's automatically from a place of like, oh, I'm not good enough. Yeah. And, and that's kind of like a challenging conversation to navigate because, you know, um, there's a lot of emotional wounds that come to the surface mm -hmm. and it goes back to i guess the truth like being the truth is ultimately a sign and expression of love but oftentimes that is tough love mm -hmm. right like in the short term but ultimately hopefully it removes some pain and suffering down the road i don't know is there a question i don't know uh, <laughs> i don't know i'm just saying like because you said you said the importance of like expressing and being open and I 100% agree with that. Yeah. It's almost like it's like almost like is there ever a time like not to share? Oh yeah. yeah. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's um the uh, truth without compassion is abuse. The, the Say that again. Truth without compassion is abuse. Like there it's to just drop something on someone and basically be like, you have to deal with this truth just because it's true. Doesn't mean like you, it's you're, you need be devoid of compassion in the impact of that truth. Right now with that said, the, and I say that, you know, part of the reason why I'm saying that is because I have found it really just, triggering as hell to see the the spiritual woke ass community whatever talk about how i'm just i'm just speaking my truth and you're triggered that's that those are your triggers right i can't make you feel anything like all of those things that are 
this bypass of the ownership that we have as human beings sharing this giant spaceship called earth together recognizing we're fucking roommates <laughs> like mm. we are roommates on this ship traveling through space unless you believe it's a flat earth and then we're hovering in something so like the i think that this yeah that's just like a a, a tangent of just annoyance at the bypass of you can't just speak your truth and not be willing to take ownership of the impact that that truth has just mm. because it's your truth. Mm. Now, with that said, um, if your truth is delivered with compassion, if it is fully your truth, if you are, are doing your, your best job to have a conscious conversation around it and, and take care with that person, the resulting, you know, blow up that might occur is you don't need to blame yourself for it mm. you don't have to carry shame around it because ultimately what i believe is that like this exact conversation nearly ended the relationship i'm currently in mm. when we were first dating and um to me it wasn't about oh, I needed to sleep with other women. I, that's not even, I don't care about that. But I need- Bullshit. <clears throat> I, no, seriously. Just kidding. But I do need to be able to talk to my partner, feel safety to talk to my partner about anything. Mm, facts. That, that's, that's a necessity. So if facts. I can't early in our relationship share, hey, I'm not sure that I fully believe in monogamy in the traditional sense. Like I'm still exploring that for myself. If I can't have that conversation with you without it ending our relationship just to talk about it, you're not the partner for me because that indicates that we have different values. Not about monogamy, about communication. That's so, that's so I think this is really valuable that you mentioned that though. And I know we have to wrap up in a minute, but like, I don't even, I feel like we've been here for like four hours. Bro, is that a good thing? Yeah. Okay. This cool. is flying by. It's like a Joe Rogan style. That, that's how we do it, bro. We just didn't get high. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I've been. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna, I was going to share this, but like, no, nah, nah, that, that, that's a little too much. <laughs> too far. Too uh, far. The uh, fact that you think that you deserve to single handedly repopulate the earth, totally cool, but not the fact that you're high. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anyways, anyways. <laughs> um, no, but, but like, but what you mentioned in regards to just speaking your truth and not kind of owning the consequences of that truth. Man, it's so funny, like, I don't know if you've heard of the term spiritual fuckboys. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I think there's so many spiritual fuckboys and fuckgirls in the world, and it's, like, using spirituality, using yoga, using all these tools as a mask to kind of cover up the work that maybe you haven't done. And that's not to say, like, I consider myself spiritual, but I'm not, you know, necessarily wearing, like, all the spiritual clothes, like this is how I choose to express myself. I don't think, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to pretend to be someone because I'm spiritual. Like I'm not going to, um, you know, uh, 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 what, what's something spiritual, you know? Um, I have sacred geometry tattooed on my arm. Okay, you're fucking, that, like, like right now, that, right now. Does that? Like right now. The, the camera? Right now, comparing Adam and I 
if you said like who's more spiritual, you would 100% say, oh, like Adam, he's totally fucking tapped into his full spiritual gifts. Like I'm a fucking whatever. What? Why? Just because like you got the hat, you have the deep V, but it's like a mindful V. It's not like one of those tooly Vs like that a frat boy would wear. Like your pants are rolled up, your legs are crossed all plight. Like you're very tapped into your spiritual self. <laughs> but, but, but again, again, we... I, I don't think spirituality should be should be fit in this box. Like I'm a spiritual guy, but I also fucking play basketball. I feel like I'm like like fucking uh, like maybe a more masculine version of many spiritual men out there. Because let's be honest, like there's a lot of soft guys out there, Adam. And masculinity, <laughs> masculinity, masculinity is taking a massive hit in 2023. And I want to end that shit because honestly, I feel like being masculine has been like vilified mm -hmm. it's like how is being a powerful protector being vilified like like as men i believe we're here to protect to serve to live on purpose to be mission driven to protect the women in our lives to prioritize our health to prioritize our family's health like that's what i think our roles are but for some reason it seems to be toxic to be a masculine man in 2023. Yeah. What are your thoughts as we wrap up? <laughs> um, yeah, so, bro, I mean, there's there's a lot there. I, I think that, it's funny, I have a, a podcast that I co-host with my friend Taylor, and it's called You're Too Much, and we did an episode called The Conscious Fuckboy, and uh, she told me she thought I was a conscious, I was single at the time, she's like, you're totally a conscious fuckboy. And, we explored what does that even mean? Like, what does that actually mean? And I think that from my perspective, what a fuck boy meant to me was a guy that was basically down to fuck anytime he left the house. Like, it, like if you went out and you met a, a chick and you, you had a vibe and you're like, all right, we're going to have sex out in the car or in the bathroom, or I'm going to take you back one night stand, like whatever. I'm down to do that. I, I'm open to having casual, casual sexual encounters often or, or whatever. Um, that was my definition of fuckboy, okay, just for me. And the question was, can you do that in a conscious way? And what does that mean? And for me, it was, okay, clear communication, right? like aftercare, meaning find out from them their desires, their fears, their boundaries, find, find out what they need in terms of aftercare. Aftercare meaning, okay, are you the type of woman who wants to, like, do we need to have breakfast the next morning? Do, do you want to be followed up with, with a phone call, text? Like, when, when you leave, are you actually thinking this is done? Like, are you aware that this doesn't mean that we're now in a relationship? Like, those conversations before you, you do the act, and I got really good at those conversations. I got really good at having um, conscious encounters and dates and, and things like that. And I, I think that that's fine because more awesome dudes, and I'm going to say conscious dudes, like more men that are heart-centered and loving and philanthropic and care about women in, in all the ways who have good values, those men need more money, sex, and power. Mm. And the people who have the money, sex, and power are doing it very unconsciously with values that I don't align with. Mm. 
And if you want to change this planet, it's going to require money, sex, and power. And so I want more money, more sex, and more power. And I'm going to wield all of that in a really great way. And I'm going to do really amazing things. I've already proven it with the money that I have had and the power that I have had and the sex that I have had. And as I gain more of all of that, I'm going to continue to use it in great ways. I'm going to use my platform to share things like I've been sharing today. I'm going to use my money to start a nonprofit like I did with Surrendered Artist. And I'm going to do those things. So why wouldn't I want to have more money. And it's in order to get more money, to get more power, I'm going to have to step into the fire of my masculinity in a way that lights me up and brings online my warrior, my hunter, my predator. And men <sighs> are scared Fired to up. step into that energy. And if men don't know how to harness their warrior, if they don't know how to harness their predator, they become prey. And so we have a lot of men on the planet that are preyed upon by mainstream media and by shitty systems that don't work for them and political uh, ideologies that get them to do stupid shit and just point fingers at their fellow countrymen instead of recognizing that they're being trolled by Russia and China and a bunch of, like, there's so much that is the result of men not stepping into their power in healthy ways and that's being exacerbated by the vilification of the masculine that women think has to go hand in hand with the rise of the feminine and they're not the same thing yeah. so there's a lot that i could speak on that topic obviously but we're i know we're wrapping it so that's what i'll leave it with is yeah men need to get in touch with their warriors and know how to to do that in a good healthy way with with solid values and with consciousness and a heart-centered approach and the truth is that that's what a woman wants a woman deep inside her soul wants a masculine man who's doing the inner work who's powerful who can protect her who's mission driven bro this is so important for every man i believe to be pursuing your passions to be connected to a greater mission a greater vision and be pursuing that every single day and not be a slave to a salary, not be a slave to a cubicle doing work that is meaningless to your soul. Like you said, like lighting that soul within and becoming the conscious king that you're destined to be, bro. I don't see you as a conscious fuck boy. I see you as a conscious king, my fucking guy. And I just want to end it right here because we're going to continue this conversation. But I want to acknowledge you. I want to acknowledge you. Because, man, oh man, like, this conversation really inspired me and got me thinking outside the box. And I know that's why so many people fuck with you and follow you, because you're constantly doing the inner work and you're sharing that journey with others and that enables them to go deeper within themselves. And um, I'm just grateful for you, bro. I'm excited to continue building a friendship mm -hmm. and um, maybe even starting an OnlyFans page together, $69 a month. 
There and, it is. Um, where can people connect with you, bro? I'm, I'm super grateful uh, that we got to have this conversation. Yeah, thank you for having me, bro. I appreciate it. It's a good one. Um, yeah, for all of you who want to follow along, adamroa.com. That's R-O-A. Uh, I got a lot of online real estate. So Instagram, adam.roa. I have a free text message community. I have a free email newsletter. That's all about creativity, consciousness, and community. Three C's every week. Um, and I have two podcasts, The Deep Dive with Adam Roa, as well as You're Too Much. And lastly, The Create Community. Community. That is the place where uh, yeah, creativity becomes a path for personal development. So come join me there. Hell yeah, guys. Um, we'll link to all of that in the show notes. Make sure to follow up with Adam. And by the way, if you're still listening, thank you for your attention, your presence. We greatly appreciate you. One thing that I'll ask is that if you got value from today's conversation or our deep dive into many of these different topics, um, tag Adam and I on Instagram to your story and let us know what was the biggest takeaway that you had from this conversation. And more importantly, what are you going to take action on in your life to, to put some of these things into practice, right? And integrate them into your life. So thank you so much for listening. You're the fucking best. I've been holding in this piss for like the whole time, bro. And I've literally been sucking in parts the whole conversation. That coffee went through me. So I have like so much energy in my sacral. So we got to end Let's this go shit. Get dinner. You already know. Hit the, link in, hit the link in the show notes. Connect with Adam. Love you. Peace out. Later. Oh my goodness, you made it until the end of this podcast. And I'm so grateful for you just really committing to your health and to your transformation. So just take a moment to appreciate and acknowledge yourself for making it until the end. And I really hope that you take at least one thing that you heard today and implement it into your life because knowledge is not power. Knowledge is potential power. It requires you to take action and implement these different practices and principles into your life. And I'm here to support you every step of the way. So again, word of mouth is my oxygen. I don't do this for money. I just do it to cultivate community and help you enrich your life. So if you gain value from the show, share it with a friend, share it on your Instagram story, tag me at coach Jeremy 305. And if you want to see the video version of this episode, go check out our YouTube channel because again, when you see things, sometimes it brings them to life and you can really see different parts of this conversation and the relationship dynamic with each guest. So again, fam, thank you. Thank you so much. You already know what time it is. It's time to take action on your dreams and thrive.